click. Ah, all right. That first recording, that first recording went awful, guys. So uh, uh, here's the thing. We haven't recorded this podcast at all. This is our first time recording it. And the fact that we've been in the Discord call for two hours was just due to a technical glitch on Joe's end. Hi, welcome to the Bomb Squad podcast. I am your host and master of ceremony, Tanner Richard Kraft. And with me, I have... I'm Austin Zwiebelman. I'm Joseph Vrenick, and when it comes to podcasting, Tanner, you know the difference between you and me? I make this look good. Though, not as good as who our guest is. I'm Andrew. (laughs) Andrew, for our audience members back home, how about you tell them who you are? My name is Andrew Ambrose Lee. I am the co-host of I've Been Meaning to Listen to That. It's a music criticism podcast where we go through albums we've been meaning to listen to and use that as a conduit to learn about each other and our guests. And uh, yeah, it's a great show. It's a lot of fun. We have a lot of comedians and critics on. Uh, we'll have Tanner and the gang back on at some point. And uh, yeah, it's a great time. Check it out. God willing, I will get you guys to talk about uh, Garth Brooks' album, Chris Gaines. And uh, today we are uh, talking about the uh, hit 1997 uh, blockbuster action comedy film, Men in Black. We're them, we're they. We are the men in black. Before we get into our thoughts on the movie overall, I just kind of want to know, what's our um, history with the Men in Black franchise? I feel like this is a franchise that has uh, kind of existed in the zeitgeist the second it hit the scene. It's one of those uh, ultimate, oh, I just turned on TNT, Men in Black is on, I guess I'll watch this type movies. But so what's our history of the Men in Black franchise? Austin, being, I believe, the oldest person here, and you were originally up for the role uh, of K in this film because you wow. are 97 years old. Uh, <laughs> what's your history of the Men in Black franchise, Austin? Men in Black was a staple of my childhood. We owned the VHS, and I watched the shit out mm-hmm. of it. Uh, I remember every bit of that VHS tape. The Mask of Zorro trailer. The Collector's Edition trailers yes. for Close Encounters with the weird music that freaked the fuck out of me. My best friend's wedding with that dope-ass song. God, I, I watched <laughs> that movie, the first movie, a hundred times before I even hit puberty. How many times have you seen it after puberty? Just now. Damn, you had puberty late. I think Austin just said he just now finished puberty. Wow. (laughs) 93 years old? Late bloomer, man. He's a late bloomer. Hair started growing in all sorts of places. I only ever saw Men in Black 2 once at my aunt's house in Detroit. I watched it the way God intended on a PlayStation 2. Yeah! (laughs) Who would stack pizza boxes like this? A pizza box stacker that's not stacking pizza boxes. He's leaving clues. Men in Black 3 I've also only seen once all the way through, but oddly enough, I've seen the end credits in Men in Black 3 like a hundred times on account of the fact that I was a movie usher at the time of its release. I cannot tell you guys how much better it makes the sweep up job in a theater when the movie has cool music at the end of the credits. I thought Arcade Fire at the end of Hunger Games was cool, but then Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide, Mr. 305 took a sample from Love is Strange and rocked my whole summer. And then, yeah, Men in Black International uh, came out three years ago. Sid and I caught it in theaters. I got the shits and I missed 15 minutes of it. And for a second, I thought it was something that I ate that day. So I bought the Blu-ray and tried again in September and then it turns out it was just the movie. Anyway, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Back to you, Tanner. Men in Black International. What a what a picture. Dot day JPEG. Joe, what's your history of the Men in Black franchise? Kind of like what Tanner was talking about on the Spider-Man podcast and how 
Spider-Man just kind of existed for him. That was Men in Black for me. I was born in 95, so this movie came out a good two years later. I would have been two years old. I could not see that thing in the theater. I didn't experience it as it was coming out. It just existed. Um, It was just a thing Mm -hmm. that people loved and people like really enjoyed um, so much so that there was a cartoon series that I would like watch whenever they put reruns on. Nothing is what it seems. Right, Frank? I'm living proof, baby. But as like time kind of went on, Men in Black 2 came out. So like I was at that point, I was like old enough to actually watch Men in Black. And yeah, no, I really like that first film as far as just like the rest of the franchise goes. um, So I recently did a watch of the trilogy. I watched them all yesterday. It's just a quick rundown. Um, Two holds up a little bit better than I had remembered, but it's still not the best picture. It's still got some faults to it and it, it ain't perfect. Three holds up the best of the sequels. I don't really like the cartooniness of the two sequels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. International is a spinoff. If you want to get Um, men in black internationals, the worst thing ever. Um, infamously on letterboxd. I said, I would rather punch myself in the dick repeatedly than watch that movie ever again. And I stand by it. What happened here? Oh, we had the best party. Kanye showed up and dropped like a whole new album. And it was some of his best work. And boom, there you have it. This must never be seen by anyone. That's my general history with just the Men in Black franchise. I like it for the most part. Back to you, Tim. Joe, Joe, I'm glad you brought up the dick thing because uh, he's actually standing right outside your bedroom right now. Johnny Knoxville, please walk in. (laughs) Hey, I heard you recently got divorced. (laughs) Andrew, what's your history with the Men in Black franchise? Uh, I remember the Men in Black VHS. I remember the Zorro trailer. Like, I remember the guy cutting a Z in the woman's cleavage and what? what? Like, I remember that moment. And I think confidently for a while, you know, when you're like a kid, you have like the five, ten movies you watch. And then when you're like a tween or an adolescent, you have like another five, ten movies. Because like back in the DVD VHS days, if you were done watching a movie, you just watched it again. just like watch it again. So Men in Black was one of those. It was Men in Black, The Mask, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. My man. Son of the Mask. I'm so sorry. And uh, The Water Boy. Like those, that was like my, the movies I watched over and over from like ages 10 to like 13 and stuff like that. That is, that is peak 10 year old performance. Because <laughs> it's like, it evokes like adult themes, but doesn't quite like really, it's still like wacky and madcap enough that it's like, oh, what are, what are these boobies people are talking like what are are these boobies people are evoking in these movies and stuff like that i I think when people ask me what's your favorite movie of all time when i was like 12 or whatever i would say men in black even though like i don't think i could tell you a quote of it i don't think i could like i think the obviously the i make it look good that bit's pretty good i just think that the premise is so dynamite the idea just like yeah what if they're aliens on earth and what if there's like this secret organization trying to like prevent people from knowing about them that's a genius premise and then to add will smith as like the audience surrogate is just a billion dollars it's just a billion dollar idea and then with the sequels i remember 
remember when I was a kid, I watched Men in Black 2. Like when we took road trips, there's like a little like screen that would like kind of flip from like your van. And I would watch the DVD of that over and over again. At the time, I was like, oh, great. More of the same. More of these characters I love. More of these weird aliens and stuff like that. Um, But even then, I kind of like left watching that movie feeling a little hollow, a little empty of like, why is this not making me feel the way it felt when I watched Men in Black 1? And then with Men in Black 3, it was kind of like, I was very excited. I was like cognizant of the other two movies, but I just remember watching it one time and going, oh, that was okay. I like Jermaine Clement. That was kind of (laughs) cool. Like, But that's really it. I had the same thing, a movie I would watch over and over again in the the minivan DVD player. Uh, For me, it was the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. And I distinctly remember the first time I cried listening to Ocean Man. It was it was in that car and the credits rolled and I started crying. And my mom looked around and she was like, Terry, you're okay." And I'm just like 13. Ocean Man. The, that was the moment you hit puberty in like 13 and that's when it was over <laughs> for me similar to what Joe was saying Men in Black as a concept seemingly has just always existed to me but unlike the Spider-Man movie I don't have memories of watching the Men in Black movie as a kid I know I did I just don't remember it what memories hmm. I do have however was of some DVD or VHS tape maybe one of those Disney's ones where they would play you know some trailers in front of it and one of them was a trailer for Man Black 2 where it eventually was like epic thing epic speaker announcer and then cut their I'm a pug I'm out of space <laughs> the fucking Frank the Bug singing oh God. and that that scene is ingrained into my memory I like Joe rewatched the whole trilogy so when that scene popped up <laughs> in my V I did total Leo pointing at the TV another one <laughs> It could have been Spider-Man because it came out the same year. Secret Life of Pets. Fuck, maybe? Oh my god. (laughs) Did did I just just break your break? No, that might be right though. Holy shit. It's also the same company. It's a Columbia Pictures film. Men in Black 3, I think I watched when it came to DVD and I remember really enjoying it. And all my rewatches have affirmed that belief of Men in Black 3 as being really fun. But we're not talking about Men in Black 3. We're not talking about Frank the Pug. We're not talking about the SpongeBob SquarePants movie Ocean Man or Ween. We're talking about Minions, Rise of Gru. No, we're talking mm-hmm. about Men in Black. <laughs> oh, man, I, I wore a suit and just spilled popcorn everywhere. It was awesome. <laughs> Let's move on to our thoughts about the movie overall. Joe. As someone who uh, you told me you have done a lot of homework. Yeah, uh, I mean, I didn't do a lot of homework, but I did take notes. So, uh, yeah, no, I really enjoyed this. It was nice to uh, just it it was a very funny little thing. Um, I I, I laughed a great number of times on it. The the, the makeup was a little bit cheap, but you know what? It was it was nice to see the fucking X-Files bit. (laughs) You didn't let me finish. (laughs) The fucking X-Files bit. The episode Jose Chung's from Outer Space features two characters called the Men in Black, <laughs> one of which played by Jesse Ventura. But the, the big kicker is their neuralizer is not a neuralizer. It's Alex Trebek just hypnotizing Mulder to go to sleep. You think you're pretty smart, don't you, Trebek? Yeah, no, um, I really love this movie. I think, as I said in my most recent Letterbox review, it's one of, I would argue, one of the top 10, maybe top five best blockbusters ever. Hmm. It's like like, like that, right up there with Jurassic Park, Star Wars, any it, it, it's up there. It, it's a really good blockbuster film. It's like it's iconic for a reason. For starters, one one of those reasons is the writing. It's something that 
I think that the sequels are lacking. They were not written by my boy, Ed fucking Solomon, the man who created Bill and fucking Ted, one of the greatest comedic duos ever, comes in with another creative, fun comedic duo and a very different premise. A lot of the humor is just derived from just how fucking casual everything is in like the movie to the characters. Like, Mm. sure, to us, it is like, big and exciting and extreme but Kay is just walking around like oh yeah no this happens every other Tuesday let, let, let's mm-hmm, let's get this mm-hmm. over with <laughs> this is my buddy Eric and just like all of this information is dumped out to Will Smith and sure he'll have like a couple of quips for Tommy Lee Jones and for the audience to to get a laugh and it also helps them understand it but at the same time he's taking all of this news so fucking well <laughs> he gets well. over it pretty quickly <laughs> like yeah <laughs> another one of the best parts about the writing is just this movie moves like a fucking freight train. You get all of this information just thrown at you so fast and it's all so easy to understand that it just doesn't waste any time with like useless shit. Like, have you noticed that Will Smith doesn't even really have a backstory in this movie? There's no love life. There's no family. It's just he's Will Smith and he is a cop. Tommy Lee Jones gives says to Will Smith, hey, you know, I know it's a big deal to be a come a man and men in black guy you know you're gonna have no life you're gonna like have to like abandon your family you're gonna have to like i'll let you think about it and then he just like sits there thinks like hmm i have no backstory i just popped into existence about 30 minutes <laughs> yeah. ago maybe i should, I should do it the, the, it just gets right to the good stuff the stuff we all paid to see which is the fucking aliens my boy rick baker that man's a fucking guru when it comes to make up because good god the aliens in this are beautiful i wonder what kind of childhood he had i mean rick is a nice guy but there must be some weird stuff going on in his crib at night and it's a shame that the sequels kind of pulled back on them especially international where it's like there's not a single fucking alien that i can remember if any at all that the world building is also off the charts in this it's Mm -hmm. really cool to see like all the little stuff that like aliens who come to earth just to live off the land like just kind of their little everyday routines and that that that's all fun stuff vincent d'onofrio will kind of steals the show Uh, the the, the makeup work is especially great on him this movie won that oscar for a reason it did I got to see a Q&A of the makeup artist for this movie, his wife. You might know uh, the makeup artist's wife as Heather Langenkamp from Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm going to be real wow. with you, Joe. That name means nothing to me. Nancy from A Nightmare on Elm Street, the oh, main okay. character. Okay, okay. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that fun fact out there before I passed it off because I know we're going to open the floor later and I should let everybody else talk. Do aliens usually perform great feats? Tiger Woods, for example, is absolutely an alien. Andrew, what are your thoughts <laughs> on Men in Black? Oh, I think um, it totally makes sense that the guy who made Bill and Ted made this movie. Like, that's total doy. That makes so much sense. Excellent! I, I like it a lot. It kind of made me miss a lot of the blockbusters from this time period where even though there's like some CGI in it, I really like that there's it's still tethered in practical effects. And also like the CGI is still kind of charming in how like, you know, silly it kind of looks and stuff. And uh, just like the power of Will Smith, like being like the grounding force that like makes this whole thing work. It's already such a perfect, funny idea of, and like, not only well done world world building, but like funny world building. It like really perfects like the sci-fi comedy. Not a lot of like sci-fi comedies thread this needle really well. Cause like either like the, 
comedy is bad or like the world building's perfunctory. It's just like some guy going like, you know, the Zlibblesorps, they're, um, it's a class five Zlibblesorp. <laughs> and you just like make up bad, you know, <laughs> like bad screenwriting like that. That's an undocumented Mercurian sporting non-department issue concealment. Wrong. That's an Aborian schizoloid, different moon. Scraldians possess a different genetic makeup. I think it, it makes all the exposition and the world building not boring at all. They, they throw so much at you. You have to like buy into the world so quickly and the screenwriting and the actors and everyone just like make it so like light and fun. It's just like, I just like, I'm so sad that they kind of biffed the sequels. They either biffed the sequels or shouldn't have made it or shouldn't have like got rid of K like kind of like made him like deneuralize at the end of this movie. I feel like that's like if they wanted to do this to do, I don't think they wanted to do sequels initially, but like, I just like feel like this is such a rich world that you can make so many entertaining movies with, but I feel like just like the bottom line and like rushing this into production and like not thinking the script is through or, or just like a faulty premise of doing sequels in the first place kind of ruin it. I wish this was just like a singular thing. Basically. I feel like this is a, better sci-fi comedy than like Ghostbusters like Ghostbusters makes no fucking sense like it like that movie doesn't mean anything like it's like kind of, it's it's a fun movie but it's like this movie works on that functions that way much better now we're actually going to go before a federal judge and say that some moldy Babylonian god is going to drop in on Central Park West and start tearing up the city Sumerian not Babylonian yeah big difference also just goop I just love goop. I love like slime. I love slime and goop. And like, that's something I miss from like modern day movies. It's just like, just like people getting like a bug creature exploding, them getting like goop all over themselves and stuff <laughs> like that. That's like the Bo Welch kind of like those, the trademark he loves with like cat in the hat and like, uh, and also like <laughs> the Bo Welch touches of like the tacky kitschy like like wallpaper like aesthetic with a lot of the rooms and stuff like that it's, it's i love bo weld he's great and you just got the call you're the next host of the nickelodeon kids choice awards yeah congratulations <laughs> austin uh what do you think of the nickelodeon kids choice awards and also men in black i think leo's reward is well deserved like his nickelodeon <laughs> choice award what was that titanic I think it was Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Wolf of Wall Street. Big picture at the Kids' Choice Awards. It got the orange blip, baby. I, I mean, Men in Black is a cultural staple of the 90s, along with like the Matrix and Home Alone. It's a rare breed of blockbuster. Widespread critical acclaim, a massive ad campaign, including a video game, and most importantly, an original soundtrack that hit number one on the Billboard 200 for two weeks straight, went platinum three times. The soundtrack that was the debut of Alicia Keys and Destiny's Child. This movie is partially responsible for Beyonce existing. I gotta, I gotta go with Andrew. I agree that the movie that I compare this to, to put it in perspective, is absolutely Ghostbusters. It's like Ghostbusters if Steven Spielberg was involved. It's so good that people would probably like when describing this, like in retrospect, they'd probably dust off that old like lightning in a bottle chestnut trying to explain how it ended up this well made. On my rewatch for the pod, I was sort of stunned by how punchy the screenplay was. It's less a movie and more like a ride at a theme park. It's blowing you away. And then when it's over, you just want to get back on again. Fastest 98 minutes I've been through in a while. (laughs) 
All this could be blown out of proportion because I grew up loving the movie, but I can't find much here that isn't really spectacular. Like there's lots mm. of pra practical creature effects work, great props, the 60s inspired sets that are supposed to look like intergalactic airport terminals and quotable yeah. shit that just makes you smile. NYPD means I will knock your punk ass down. You do know Elvis is dead, right? No, Elvis is not dead, he just went home. You can have my gun. When you pry it from my cold, dead fingers. Your proposal is acceptable. Jesus Christ, and a hand for Vincent D'Onofrio and Rick Baker for bringing an insanely fun villain alive on the screen. That's that old Spielberg magic before he was comping guns out of re-releases of E.T. Spielberg and Amblin made the craziest fucking kids movies. You got a fucking giant bug wearing a farmer's skin running around leaking cockroaches out of his sleeve. You absolutely <laughs> love to see it, folks. It's, it's got this really, like, stupid in a smart way, smart in a stupid yes, way, quirky yes. shit going on. You know, tabloids are real news. And I guess it's ironic that this movie is all about Tommy Lee Jones training a replacement, Will Smith, and they both ended up being essential parts of what make a Men in Black movie work. It accomplishes a lot in a short, short amount of time. And for anybody worried if this aged poorly, like, say, Flubber or, sorry, Andrew, the water boy, uh, it's, I've got great news. It's still got the G. 25 years later uh break it out with your friends it's one hell of a ride back to you tanner hold the fuck on what's wrong with flubber a lot have you rewatched flubber it's slow and bad it's it's not good anymore tanner you have to rewatch it there's also some weird maga shit in there too like that you gotta <laughs> like paper over um <laughs> oh, tanner no. i'm sorry you had to hear this this way but everyone has to find out eventually that flubber wasn't that good his glasses are gone <laughs> no no tanner <laughs> Oh man, isn't Flubber great, guys? Yeah, oh, yeah, it is great. It is great. All the lines are great. I'm surprised nobody's brought up what I think is the best line in the movie, which happens in like sure. Will Smith's introduction, which is. It'd just be raining black people in New York. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact he improvised that. He also improvised Fairy Lives Don't Matter Today. Um, yeah. Bright. <laughs> <laughs> Fairy lives don't matter today. That's it right there. Uh, the two things that really stood out in my mind watching it this most recent time was the production design, like uh, how you guys have been bringing it up. I love the look of the HQ. All of the sets are really just so thoughtfully designed and incredible. Um, I believe it got nominated for production design at the Oscars and it was a well-deserved nomination if so. But for me, the thing that makes this movie work and I think makes the subsequent two movies work at all is Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. Their chemistry, their back and forth. Tommy Lee Jones as the straight man, Will Smith as the goofy guy. It's so perfect. Apparently Tommy Lee Jones on set was upset that Barry Seinfeld kept directing him to just play the scene straight because Tommy mm. Lee Jones was like, I want to do a silly one. But uh, Barry Seinfeld <laughs> wouldn't let him basically but it makes perfect sense Tommy Lee Jones is the perfect straight man to act against Will Smith with their chemistry their back and forth Tommy Lee Jones showing the world around Will Smith is what really makes this work so who pays for all this we hold the patents on a few gadgets that we confiscated from out of state visitors um, Velcro microwave ovens liposuction these are the hot sheets best investigator reporting on the planet go ahead read the New York Times if you want to they get lucky sometimes thanks Manny Tommy Lee Jones like kind of like 
he is the glue of the movie. He makes this movie like work, work. On oh another. yeah. I think Will Smith is great. He's so fun. He's funny, but like the pathos and sadness of agent K's life, the idea of just like, he gave up his life to like, basically do this. It's, but it's never, it's never like overbearing. It's never, it doesn't like hit clonk you over the head with oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. idea. It's just like subtext that, elevates this silly script to like a yeah. new like grade level basically no that little moment when like will smith is like oh so you were the you were the kid with the flowers huh guess i never made it way to her and i'm like oh damn that's i want to fucking jump off a building god damn that's depressing <laughs> <laughs> what happened to my goofy action comedy where's flubber I'm... when you need him <laughs> yeah. flubber wouldn't god. do this to me flubber wouldn't make me sad <laughs> Before we continue this conversation, brief commercial break. The lights leaving. Wow! Get your paws off. Call the pound. We got a stray. Uh, the, the dog owes my friend money. Where were the other drugs going? I swear to God. Swear to me. All right, Joe, continue. All right, so jet, jet fuel can't melt steel beams, but no. fucking damn it. <laughs> I don't like this. I'm going to boot myself off. <laughs> Mike from Better Call Saul. JPEG. You're done. You are done. We're moving on to general discussion now. Is there anything we guys want to bring up here? Do we just want to talk about Vincent D'Onofrio and how I don't sure. understand how he does the things with his body? Why do you keep your dad? I don't have any dead. Vincent was really cool at playing. I mean, think of you know trying to impersonate a bug who's wearing mm-hmm. a human skin for a suit. Mm-hmm. What would somebody like that do? There's not a lot of information available on that. There's not a lot of research you can do. That that man looks like he's moving. Like there's something using that skin to hide inside of. Yes. Yeah. He looks uncomfortable. <laughs> The fly sequence in this movie is probably my favorite use of Danny Elfman's score in a movie. The fly coming into the beginning with the credits over it. That shit gets me hype every time. I love that this, the opening credits of this movie use, like, I think the same font as The Addams Family. Yeah, it, it's pretty close. Same director. It is the same director. I just, I, I did a compare and contrast. There is slight difference between the two. But, but yeah, it's very similar. It, it is very close. It's weird to think that this guy just went on to be Punish. Like, he was at the peak with Men in Black, Barry Soddenfeld, and then Wild Wild West, leading all the way to Nine Lives with Kevin Spacey. Like, what a weird Yeah, there was Men in Black 3 at some point. Oh, you know what? RV was one of my, you know, 10 to 12 movies, by the way. Like, God, that was probably one of mine, too. I have, I do not know anything that happens in RV, but I know I've watched it a bunch. The septic tank geysers and diarrhea spills over (laughs) Robin Williams. That's pretty funny. All right, that's all I have to say about men in black so do we want to move on to trivia corner <laughs> all right who's ready for um <clears throat> here comes trivia corner <laughs> yeah yeah do Nod it. your head trivia corner not as much as i thought there would be but there's a banger at the end here that we might want to discuss for a minute or two okay <clears throat> there's plenty of cameos in this movie specifically in that whole here are the aliens on earth those so aliens that are visible on screen are Al Roker, Isaac Merzaya, that's probably wrong, I don't care, uh, Danny DeVito, <laughs> Chloe Sonnenfeld, his daughter, Sylvester Stallone, Diane Warwick, Newt Gingrich, Anthony Robbins, <laughs> George Lucas, and executive producer Steven Spielberg. <laughs> 
Remember that scene where Will Smith accidentally hits a ball and then it almost makes 9-11 happen or whatever with all the bouncingness? It, it was a practical joke from The Great Attractor. Fun fact, The Great Attractor is a real term in astronomy and physics. It is a wow. gravitational anomaly about 250 million light years away from the Earth, which affects the motion of every galaxy within hundreds of millions of light years. It was first detected by astronomers in 1973. Yeah, like you were talking about, it's like the smart stupid combination that really works. It's kind of like Futurama too, where yeah. it's like combining the sci-fi with the mundane kind of the idea of with that. Like, oh, some aliens are just waiters at restaurants and whatever. Just such a golden premise that like, if you ever like encounter like a weird person, like, oh, they're probably an alien. So to tie it back to Bright, Max Landis's father, John Landis, was offered this movie as director, he rejected it because he said it was just the Blues Brothers with aliens. <laughs> what? I don't know what the fuck that's supposed to mean, Tanner. but he has since said he regrets it and was wrong. <laughs> the worst thing he's ever done. <laughs> Some alternate casting here. Clint Eastwood was offered the role of K, but turned it down. This no, movie is so much worse than Clint work. Eastwood. Jeez. I love work. Clint Eastwood. This movie is significant. He, he's just, first off, he called Will Smith a slur, number one. <laughs> <laughs> When? It's just Grand Torino with aliens this time. A couple of actors were offered the part of Jay, Will Smith's part. First uh -huh. off, Chris O'Donnell was offered the role, but he turned no. it down because he didn't want to do another new recruit type role, like his performance in Dick Grayson and Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. That I understand in terms of too similar. Blues Brothers thing I don't get. New recruit thing I kind of get. However, the infinitely funnier person that was offered the role of Jay before Will Smith and he turned it down was David Schwimmer was offered the role of Agent J, but turned it down. Oh, that movie would be terrible. Imagine this movie with David Schwimmer. Clint Eastwood and David Schwimmer. Clint Eastwood, the dynamic duo we've been wedding. I'm the new hotness. I just don't buy David Schwimmer as a cop. I'm so well, obviously he's not going to say fundamentally can't believe that. Like that. Like he's not going to like say something really lies. fucking funny. David Schwimmer jumped off to the bus and he said, damn, it's just raining black men in New York. <laughs> Him just nervously saying, yeah, no, this is, do you know what this means? It, mean, it says NYPD. Knock your punk ass down. God. <laughs> East, Eastwood would not work at all. Like, because Eastwood doesn't have a sense of humor. Like, Tommy Lee Jones, like, if he, have you seen Batman Forever? Like, that guy can go big and go Dude, silly. Funny. Like, if he wants to. Like, even though he's. Have you like, seen the, the mule? Clint Eastwood's been pretty silly. I was going to say, have you seen the one with the Any which way but loose. Any which way but loose. Who was originally offered the role of Edgar instead of Vincent D'Onofrio? John Turturro was offered okay, the part, but he good. had to turn it down. That I could see. I think he could pull it off. He I could, really do. He probably could, yeah. Um, my favorite thing is, Joe, it's funny you brought up the whole Spider-Man stuff earlier because the success of this film inspired Marvel. Marvel. <laughs> who in 1997 actually owned the Men in Black property, right. uh, to option other properties for development. Later, again, collaborating with Columbia Pictures to produce Spider-Man in 2002. Wow. I don't know if you're going to say this, but like then the other like off thing was Bruce Campbell was going to be the bug. Oh, yeah. Like, Bruce Campbell was supposed to have a cameo in this movie, but he had to do a TV movie instead, so he couldn't commit. I would have loved it if Bruce Campbell was in it, but that's also Here's the big one. John Landis was offered the chance to direct this movie. There was another director who was originally offered the chance to direct this movie, but he turned it down. 
after Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, Quentin Tarantino's third movie could have been Men in Black. Oh, no. Whoa. So Kay would have actually used a slur like in that one. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that was R-rated. Yeah. That Men in Black is hard R. <laughs> and all the bloods have like gratuitous blood. And also there's some, probably some tirade about fast food sandwiches or something. I don't know. Quentin Tarantino does things. That's the best description of his filmography. Like, he does things. I just feel like Tarantino would have ruined this. And it would just be another it's, it's 90s movie offensive. we can't it would, be, it would just be a different thing. It could be good, but it would be just a whole different thing. Yeah, like a like, serious I don't think he would work with this script. Now, usually I'm really good with faces. But this time all I can remember is how they were dressed. They all were in black. Since the 50s, people who have had close encounters have reported subsequent visitations from these unearthly men in black. I'd assume he would demand to do his own draft of the script. He wouldn't have just done the script as is, I'm assuming. Yeah, he would have yeah. written it his, himself. Has uh, he ever directed a movie that wasn't his own script? No, right? No, uh, yeah, no. So. He, like, Jackie Brown, the movie that he even, like, he did instead of Men in Black. He wrote the screenplay for it, even if it was. Yeah, that's why I wasn't sure if it was third or fourth. I couldn't remember when Jackie Brown came out. Yeah, no. <laughs> the Galaxy is on Orion's belt would be a reference to someone's cock in that one. The Galaxy is a King Albert. Somebody's cock. Or is it a Prince Albert? So, to the audience back, no, that don't know what a Prince Albert is. It's when you take the penis and then you take a stud and you. All right. Now that I'm uh, legally banned from Canada, let's move on to our final thoughts on Men in Black. Austin, we'll start with you. See, this this movie right here, this is why people were confused when the 2007 Transformers movie was just okay. There was a time when having Steven Spielberg's name on your movie actually meant something. Men in Black really holds up, and it may be a certified classic. Give it another watch. Yeah, baby. Joe, final thoughts? I love this movie. Uh, it's a fantastic film. If you've not rewatched it in a hot minute, do so. It's a it's a really good pick me up movie at, uh, for evidence. This was uh, the movie I watched after the infamous heartbreak that I talk about on the podcast. Uh, I watched that immediately mm. after that happened. It's certain to brighten up your day. Go watch it, and yeah, movie good. Joe, your post heartbreak movie was better than mine. You know what mine was, Joe? What was it? It was Internal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, I was trying to prove a no! point to myself that it, that it was also ruined me. Dora the Explorer, too. Dora the Explorer was the first movie that made me feel happy again after my fiance <laughs> left me. Hell yeah, baby. That was go. the movie that confirmed I was capable of feeling joy still. That's, that's a beautiful thing. Cinema can change the world. <laughs> Andrew, what is your final thoughts on Men in Black? I really like this movie a lot. I think a lot of it holds up. Unlike some of you, I'm a little less charmed by some of it. Like the idea of like some of the screenplay writing is just a little too neat. Like the idea of just like, here's a red button. Don't press it. And then third act. Now we could press it because it's the third act and stuff like that. And they literally like save a cat. You know. Holy shit. They literally do save the cat. Holy shit. Whoa. It's like very, it's, I, I, I like Austin's like metaphor. That's like a roller coaster more so than like, uh, you know, just like you got to hit these beats. You got to do this, this. This is just like, you hold know, on, this hold is, on. If you call a movie at an amusement park ride, the Marvel fans will crucify you. Look what they did to my poor boy, Marty. This is a Big Mac. You know, this movie's a Big Mac. It's always like, maybe you feel like a little like, oh, afterwards, but you always want another one, basically. I think, uh, you know, the chemistry between Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, like, elevates the movie where they kind of shoot themselves in the foot by, like, 
writing him off in big at the beginning of this movie so that bringing him back makes the whole movie kind of sad like the other two really sad in my opinion and then just like linda fiorentino like she we didn't mention her she's awesome like i wish they brought and also like i wish they brought her back in the other movies like that's just another sad thing that just like joe and i were texting about this her career just died at some point it's weird just right oh, after she's dogma so good. hollywood just uh, just forgot about and then like, like seven like, years after her last movie she was caught up in an fbi investigation scandal it was a weird thing like, like we know oh, joe no. like, like the sequels and hollywood in general we forgot about linda fiorentino I think she's so charming in this. I like she's so lovely. In we this. didn't bring her up. Oh my god, that's too funny. Yeah, I really like this movie. I think this is a really top tier blockbuster for me. So that's my Hell opinion. Yeah. Right. My final thoughts on this movie are: I think it's a it's a very funny film. It's a nostalgic piece from my childhood. I um. I think it's a really excellent uh, another example of these 90s movies that are a Robin Williams performance vehicle and I, I just really love the CGI the oh, little green man. flubber guy it's and, all back to and, flubber <laughs> oh wait no all seriousness Men in Black is very good it's a classic it's just perfect blockbuster filmmaking honestly you got 100 minutes to kill Men in Black I guarantee you that'll be a great way to spend those 100 minutes I am often like, I need a hundred minutes to kill. <laughs> like, that's not what I often say to myself out loud. <laughs> I wake up every morning and say that. But you guys know what else is a great way to kill a hundred minutes? What? Hanging out with you! The person watching slash listening to this podcast. Thank you so very much for listening. If you didn't hear it before, Andrew, tell us what your show is again. Uh, yes, you could uh, listen to our show. I've been meaning to listen to that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, like Stitcher, all the podcast platforms. Uh, it's a fantastic show. Uh, we talk about albums from... I don't know, like Britney Spears and like uh, Bruce Springsteen. And we just like go through all these classic albums with hilarious guests. And we use it as a means to get to know each other and our guests. Super fun show. Super awesome time. Follow me at Andrew A. Lee on Instagram and Twitter. Follow the show at IBMTLTT on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. And uh, also just like listen to the back catalog of this show. This show's really good. This show's really success- more successful Aww. than our show. So good job, guys. Aww. And Austin's editing is incredible. Like, so. Thank you. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, thank I was you, watching, um, you know, Star Wars 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, and 7, and 8, and 9, and also Beetlejuice and uh and oh this is the bit he said he was gonna do <laughs> <laughs> and uh swingers swingers yeah. swingers <laughs> Austin that's a show clip from all those movies now. um but yeah if you're listening on any of the audio platforms we're on uh, go find I've been meaning to list that it's a great show uh I've been on it a couple times Austin's been on it at least once I think I want to be on it uh Joe fuck you uh <laughs> Joe I'm kidding maybe Andrew will let you on I don't know it's not my show. We'll get you on. Yeah, we'll get you on. But yeah, if you're listening on any of the platforms, thank you so much very much for listening. Leave a review. It doesn't do anything but make me feel better about myself. So go ahead and do that. I'm very lonely. No woman wants to date me. I'm kidding. No woman or man wants to date me. Anyway, if you are that's the complete wa- statement. Yeah, watching this on Spotify video. Thank you so very much for watching. We cursed a lot this week. Oh my god. Stuff. The real <laughs> Quentin Tarantino were the friends we made along the way. Moving on down over to our Patreon because we're not allowed to monetize 
monetize Spotify video for some reason. So give us money. So that's not a problem. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you also very much for watching. Go down to the comment section below and let me know. What do you think of Men in Black? Uh, What's your history in the Men in Black franchise? Are you a fan of the trilogy? Do you want us to cover the other two movies in the trilogy? And no, we won't do international. Thank you. What what do you think is a perfect blockbuster? And uh, finally, should I go on to Andrew's show in order to talk about uh, Garth Brooks' album, Chris Gaines does Chris Gaines, greatest hits, Chris Gaines. The only Garth Brooks album to go number one on the Billboard Hot 200. <laughs> I really want to talk about the Chris Gaines album, guys. Come on, back me up here. Um, while you're down there, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell icon so I can neuralize your ass and break into your home. Thank you all so very much for watching. Tune in next week. When we are talking about a movie not hosted by me, we are talking about Princess Mononoke. Princess Mononoke. Princess Mononoke. Oh, tune in then. Ah, oh, damn it! I fucked up that pronunciation. You're fine. You're fine. It's all good. I you fucked up that pronunciation. Yourself, I made a bunch of dumb jokes this week. You know what? You know what? You know what? We're doing this again. Ah!